Holy Spirit, we invite you to guide us into all truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, wield your sword upon our hearts in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would hear and be attentive to what your Holy Spirit wants to say. And Lord, that we would go and do your word. That we would go and apply it. Show us exactly where we need to apply it today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Love that song, We Are One in the Spirit. Um, when was the last time you sang that one? you remember? So, um, it's a wonderful song. We are one in the Spirit. It's a powerful song. And as we get into the second part of Jesus' intercession, his prayer for not just his disciples, but now he will transition into prayer for all believers. One of his primary requests to the Father is that they may be one. So my question what does it mean to be one? Is there a type of oneness that we shouldn't be? What is the kind of oneness that Jesus wants us to be? In our world today, because of internet, because of TV, because there is so much access to the same information, there's this move towards something that we call globalization. Have you heard that word? Globalization. It's this idea that the, glo the globe, the entire globe, is on the same page, okay? And I think, as we've talked about in the end times even, you may see the hints of this globalization, this oneness that will be in the end times. The Catholic Church says that we are all children of God, whether you're Hindu, whether you're Muslim, you can go and you can find their campaign across religions to try to unite us into unity. And people praise this kind of unity. But my question, is that what Jesus wants? Is that the kind of unity that Jesus is asking us to be? Mm. The answer, no. So, but we're going to take a look at what Jesus prays and what he defines unity to be. Okay. Um, and here's another example of a false unity. I was talking with the Jehovah's Witness. She showed me the program and said every Sunday when we get together, we all in any Jehovah's Witness gathering read the same material. They go through the same lesson. They have the same teaching. And she said to me, this is the fulfillment of what Jesus said when he prayed that they would be one. When you look everywhere, she said. You see all these denominations and divisions. So where's the true church? She means the Jehovah's Witness one. Because they read the same material. She conveniently skipped over the Catholic church, which does the same thing. Goes through a liturgy. The Lutheran church goes over the same thing. They all read through the yearly reading. They're reading the same passages every Sunday. What is real unity? And is unity the same thing as uniformity? Is there diversity in unity? Did you bring your dictionary this morning? <laughs> uh, we're walking. I'm just priming the pump. So let's get into the text here. Let's get into the text. So Jesus has been praying for his disciples. One of the primary things he prays for them is that they would be kept, that the Lord would keep them and guard them. Now he's going to transition in verse 20 
Now, keep in mind, he's talking about the world, and he says you are, they are in the world, but they're not of it. They're holy, they're sanctified, they're set apart. You're different from the world, okay? Now, he starts to transition to pray for his disciples. So we're going to look at his request for, his, for those who will believe in him. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So there's his request. He prays that they all might be one. Now question, who's the they? That they, all the people in the world, the Muslims and the Buddhists, would be one. No. Who? Who did he address? He said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is not praying for a unity in the world. He's praying for those who will believe in him through the word of the apostles. And those people are us. We have the word of the apostles written in the scriptures in this book. We are the ones Jesus is praying for, to be united. The ones who believe that Jesus was sent by God and the testimony that we have based on this book. So this tells you something. The basis for our unity is here. I'm telling you that because there are movements even inside, quote, Christianity that are throwing this away. They kind of reinterpret this to say whatever they want to say. They're breaking away from what I believe is biblical unity. Unity based upon the word of the apostles that Jesus came, that he was seen, that he did miracles, that he died for our sins upon the cross, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. This one book bears witness to one thing, and those who believe in this is who Jesus is praying for, that they may be one. Okay? Now notice, the fa- he is praying to the Father for this unity. That means that God is the one that brings about this kind of unity. God is the one that unites us together. This is God's work. And so primarily here, yes, there's a part I think that we play in unity. But primarily, Jesus is praying to the Father to make us one. So... We need to look to the Father to bind together his church. We hear so much talk about division in the church, denominations. And we say, man, we're not one. And, and even in the song that we sang, um, it says, um, what did it say? That we're waiting for the fulfillment of that unity. My question, what if we're already one? What if the real church of Jesus Christ is one, bonded together by the Spirit of God? Bonded together by the belief that he died and rose from the dead. We look and we see all the denominations, but you ever talk to someone from another denomination or you talk to a stranger on the street and you, you wonder, are they a Christian? Just the way they talk, the way they act. You ask them and you find out you both have faith in Christ. You know the same person. There's a oneness that you sense that even crosses denominations. 
I believe. Where's, so what about disunity in the church? What about doctrinal disunity? Doctrinal disunity is different teachings or teachings that are opposite or contrary to one another in the church. You go to this denomination, you hear one thing. Go to this denomination, you hear the opposite. One says you're eternally saved. The other says you can lose your salvation. One says that, um, let me think. One says that all of us are predestined and chosen. Those who are going to heaven, those who are going to hell. The other says, well, it's really just up to you. You have free will. One says you can worship hymns. The other one says that you can use contemporary music. One says that you can use the spiritual gifts of prophecy and tongues. And the other says, no, those are gone. Those have ceased. One says that women and men are basically the same and their roles are no different. The other says that men and women have very different roles. There's a lot of divisive topics when you think about it, right? So my question, how can we be one when there's so much division? Again, this is going a completely different. Again, I think it is unity based upon the word of God. Okay? Based upon this book. Not based upon the teachings of men that have come after this book was written. You ever heard of Calvinism? You ever heard of Arminianism? Notice that those are men not inspired by God. Notice those are men who are not carried along by the Spirit of God. They didn't write this book. And yet, that's what people argue over is their teaching. Are we bonded because of them or are we bonded because of this? If they had anything good to say, it's because they read this. And they saw something in this. And maybe you might learn something from that. You might learn something from the evangelist on TV. But the only good that they bring is because they saw something here. And as they direct you back into this book, there's unity. So when I talk with somebody from another denomination, or maybe they have different thoughts on something, all we have to do is open the book and say, well, can you show me in here? And when they show you and you say, oh, I guess you're right. It does say that. But what about this verse over here? Oh, it says that too. And now you're both scratching your head. That's the kind of unity. We're dealing with a God who is infinite in power and wisdom and love. I don't think we're going to have everything figured out to a T. But if we agree that this was the word of the apostles inspired by the Holy Spirit, there will be a unity you can be united with someone of another denomination. Maybe you disagree about Calvin or Wesley, but do you agree about the book? You get what I'm saying? There's many men who preach a gospel broken down by theologians centuries later. And I'm not a big fan of that because I think it creates a division and a divisiveness. When we emphasize the words of men above the word of God, Jesus challenged the Pharisees for the same thing. He said, you use the traditions of men to nullify the word of God. Throw out the traditions of men. Go back to the book. Go back to the word of God. So, I believe that unity must be a biblical unity. And when you have... Disunity. When there's arguments or disagreements, one question you can ask is, well, what does the Bible say? Can you show me? Let's go into it together. Let's study the issue. 
perhaps both of you will be changed. Perhaps both of you will leave your denomination and follow Christ. Remember Paul said to the Corinthian church, what, one says I follow Paul, the one says I follow Apollos, another says I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Did I die for you? Paul said. No. It's not in our connection to some famous teacher, it's in our connection to Jesus that there's unity. Woo! Let's go home. Okay. Um, John 17, verse um, 21. Okay. Now we see that Jesus' request is that we be one. Now we're going to see the model of that unity in verse 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. So now he makes a comparison to what this unity looks like. What does it look like? It looks like the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. That's the kind of unity Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a union with God. When Jesus came, he was sent by his Father. He was God the Son. He is God the Son. He existed before the world began with God the Father. The two existed eternally together, and they were one. When the world was created, God made the world through Jesus. And then God clothed Jesus in human flesh. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. But when Jesus came, he was still one with the Father. He said this, The Son can do nothing of himself, but as he sees the Father do, the Son does likewise. He followed the initiative of his heavenly Father. What the Father told him, he would speak. What he saw the Father do, he would do. And then the Father would bless the Son, he would put glory, and he would bear witness to Jesus that he is his Son, that God sent him, and then Jesus would glorify the Father. Jesus would praise the Father. He always gave honor back to the Father. It's like this continual give and take of honor and love and glory. That unity is what the Bible speaks of. You can think of like a husband and wife. Deeply in love. There's honor. There's love. There's respect. There's a unity. Are they the same? They're distinctly different from one another. The Father and the Son are distinctly different. But they are one. They are God. He is God. But they are distinct persons. So Jesus prays that. He says, Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. Notice that. We're going to come back to that. In, that word in. That they may also be in us. Notice the primary thing Jesus asks for unity is not our oneness with one another. It's our oneness with God. Unity springs from union with God. Okay? As you and I are united with God, we will be one, united with one another. Alright? Just as you and me, I knew that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, um, I think um, that they may be in us. Somebody's got a KJV. What does that say right there in verse 21? It says, us. Yeah. It says that they may be one in us. 
Okay, KJV has got an extra word, that they may be one in us. So keep that in mind. It's the same idea, that they may be one in us. If the church is to be truly one in the way that Jesus prays for it to be one, it will be as we are one with the Father and the Son, as we are united to Christ and to the Father. What does that look like to be united with the Father and with the Son? Well, Jesus talked, we talked about the vine and the branches, right? As the vine is in the branch, or the vine is flowing into the branch, and the branch is remaining in the vine, we place our faith in the Lord, and then he comes and indwells us. There is a unity that springs from our trust in him. That trust creates this unity with God. You're joined at the hip, really. And not only that, there's constant fellowship. Just like a wife and a husband that are really one. They're in constant fellowship with one another. Constant conversation. Constant love. Constant unity. As we are rightly connected to God the Father and God the Son, there will be unity. There will be true unity. God is inviting you and I into fellowship with him. Let me read in 1 John 1, 3, when John the Apostle is writing a letter, an open letter to a group of people. This is what he says. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. When you share the good news about Jesus with somebody, you're inviting them into a fellowship. You're inviting them into the fellowship of the Father. And the Son. This Trinity, this, this triunity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this fellowship that they have, God has reached out and invited you to join into that fellowship. And when you share the gospel, as John is talking about, you're reaching out that they might fellowship with you and join into the fellowship of the Trinity. Tom, did you have a question? No, I just went. Got the Father, got the Son. One. Yep, one. I always picture, uh, when I think of the Trinity, one thing I picture is uh, elderly men at a diner at five in the morning. You know, they get there every day, five in the morning, they buy coffee, they buy donuts, and then they just talk. It's been their habit forever, (laughs) you could say, forever, to get together at five in the morning. And all of a sudden, they pull up a chair and they invite you in. That you might join. Can you watch in to people who've been friends forever? Man, there's just a love and a fellowship and a unity. Now multiply that by infinity and you see what God is inviting you into with Him. With the Father and with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Real unity. Biblical unity. Fellowship, communion, participation with one another. How do, we, how do we enter into that fellowship? What does it look like to enter into? Well, it, enter, it begins with trust in Jesus. In 1 John in the chapter 4, he describes it as this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Do you confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Then you abide in God and God abides in you. You remain connected. You may not feel connected. You know what? Let's just go with what the Bible says. Believe it, even if you don't feel it, that you are abiding in God and God 
is abiding in you. God, manifest that. Show that in my life that truly that we are one. That you are united. It's not your power that unites you to him. It's his power that unites you to him. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. So when you enter into that fellowship of love and communion with God, it's going to manifest in love and fellowship with your neighbor, with your brother or sister in Jesus. So even more experiencing the fellowship and the unity in the church. Sam, I think yesterday I got to watch a little bit of the march Total unity. Mm. It, it was so awesome. I got goosebumps mm. watching everybody pray and yeah. you know for this nation and and that to me is the picture in my mind of unity of one in Christ. Yeah, it's really got to me. Like a march, you're together and you're moving in the same direction, under the same purpose, united by the same desire. Okay. Another picture of unity is um, your body. Your body is united. If it was disunited, you wouldn't be able to walk, wouldn't be able to breathe right now. It's united. It's working in perfect harmony. Your heart's beating and your blood's flowing. Hello, this is Sam Irwin. Just uh, following up, we had to cut our sermon time short because I got a note from someone in the congregation just mentioning uh, just the struggle that one of our church members was having during the sermon. And so we had to stop and pray. Uh, We prayed for our um, brother in Christ and we we gathered, we actually was able, were able to get with him and to gather around him and just to pray over him and saw the Lord just kind of minister to him, just reveal his love for him through the body, through the congregation. Um, he was just really affirmed and really we saw him even delivered from the enemy and from Satan's uh, plans, from his lies and from his chains. So we just, we just really had a doozy of the rest of the time in the service. And uh, we're really able to minister to this guy, which was a great uh, completion to the passage in John 17 on that we may be one as we're remaining in the Father and we will love one another and remain connected to one another. So uh, forgive us for changing the uh, gears this Sunday, but we tend to leave a little openness in our service just in case we feel that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in a certain direction. God bless you and may you be one with him and one with one another. Bye.